Again, happy Easter to you and uh, welcome. Um, as I said at the very beginning, it's a, an honor that you would uh, come and celebrate Easter with us. And I pray that our time right now studying God's Word is a a blessing to you and helps to sort of bolster that faith in Jesus that uh, I pray that you have. Um, If you're a guest with us, I I tend to every week point out there a gold insert in the service folder. And um, I know that it's easy to to tune into different things while a guy talks for 20, 25 minutes. This helps, okay? I'm ADD. I need this too, okay? So this can be a blessing to you. There's some fill-in-the-blanks also that will help you uh, as you take that home with you today. You know, there's something about celebrations, any celebration, that is true. And that's this, that the celebration makes more sense if you understand the main point of the celebration. If you truly understand what's going on and the main point of the celebration, then everything else seems to make more sense. Let me give you a non-religious example of this that's going to be some advice for young men that I'm just giving you free of charge today, okay? If you're a young, unmarried man, I've learned some things about weddings, okay? And I've done about 40 of them or so, and here's what I've learned about weddings. It's a celebration, right? What I've learned is, is that girls, and then they turn into women, they, um, that's not the advice or the news. They, they, it's, it's true, though. Um, that girls from a very young age think about their wedding, at least many of them do, and they go to weddings and they don't really think about the bride and groom as much as they're thinking about, well, I wonder what my wedding's going to look like, and that's what I'd like, and that's what I'd like, and so they think about it for a very long time. And and here's something you know, young men, um, you don't. And so when the wedding actually comes and when you've got that special girl someday that you're going to get married to, because of that, here's some advice that will help make your celebration of your wedding just less frustration and more joy. You need to just understand that the wedding is not about you. It's about her. (laughs) You need to understand that the celebration, the main point, and obviously I'm being a little bit sarcastic and funny, but it's about her, right? And so I know you're in all the pictures. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I know your name's on the invitation. Truly, it does not matter, okay? When I'm at a rehearsal for a wedding, I don't ask the groom what he thinks. I just ask the bride what she thinks, and I always get the right answer from her. Your celebration is better when you understand the point of the celebration. So what's, what's Easter about? I think there's lots of things out there, and, and we tend to get maybe sometimes distracted by the, the lots of things. Um, Easter is about baskets that are found and, and jelly beans. Jelly beans aren't bad. Um, Easter is about uh, chocolate-covered bunnies, right? I don't mind those, chocolate-covered bunnies. And um, only during Easter, the good old peeps, right? Anyone like peeps? Raise your hand if you like peeps, all right? Not the best for you, but they sure taste good, right? Um, My favorite growing up was the cream-filled Cadbury eggs, and uh, I loved them. Uh, I was just thinking of this. I don't think I've had one since I've been married, and I... 
I don't think there's any connection there, but uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just true. It's just true. <laughs> when, I was, uh, when I was growing up, um, my grandma gave me uh, and us my siblings, an Easter bunny every single year, but not just when I was five or six or seven. All the way through high school, I got a stuffed Easter bunny um, from my grandma. And so, you know, when you're five, it's cool. When you're a senior, you don't tell your friends that you got a, a stuffed Easter bunny for Easter. Um, any of you old enough? And I, I couldn't even find one. Um, so any of you old enough to remember when Easter was in some ways about women with large hats? Anyone old enough to remember that? Again, I couldn't even find one, so that's been a while, right? And so if you got to church late on Easter, you kind of have to crane your neck around all the hats in order to see up front at the, the pastor. And, and so Easter is not about any of those things, and it's, it's not about breakfast at church, and it's not about ham, and it's not even about families, you know what Easter's about? It's your first fill-in. It's about Jesus, absolutely. And what did Jesus do? It's about, it's the celebration of an event in history. Easter's not just a celebration of religion. I want to be more specific. It's not just a celebration of there's a heaven and there's a God. I want to be more specific. In fact, if you're someone who's wondering about faith and has wondered about Jesus and hasn't been to church in a long time, here's the thing you need to wrestle to the ground and then everything else will make sense or won't make sense. Here's the thing. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Because if he did, it changes everything. It's as simple as that. And so Easter is the celebration of an event that brings hope. Hope for now. Hope for eternity. And as we wrestle with that event, today we're going to spend some time in just a few verses in John chapter 20 that I read earlier and just consider the account that John wrote as we consider the Easter hope that God intended for us. So these words that we're going to look at were written by a guy that just didn't decide, oh, I'm going to write about this resurrection thing. Um, he was there, and he wrote about the things he saw, and the details that he writes, as we'll see, really go a long way from a logical perspective in helping us understand the truth of Easter. First verse that we're going to look at today. John writes, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So, as I said earlier, it was about 6 o'clock in the morning, probably. And um, why did they need to go on Sunday morning? Well, quick synopsis. Jesus died on Friday at about 3, okay? 6 o'clock, the Sabbath starts, and no one, no Jew, can touch a dead body during the Sabbath. So... Jesus' followers had three hours to ask Pilate if they could have Jesus' body, for them to go get the body, for them to take the body down from the cross, for them to find a tomb and to put the body in the tomb, to wrap the body, to anoint it. Three hours, all that needed to be done. And the men didn't have enough time to finish it. So the very next time that they could finish it, 
was when the Sabbath was over, 6 a.m., on Sunday. And when they get there, they find that the rock is gone and Jesus' body isn't there. So what happens next? So Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples in a room that they were huddled in. The one Jesus loved was the other disciple, John, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb and both were running. And um, the disciples were, were all huddled together because they um, were scared. Um, the Jews had convinced the Romans to kill Jesus and so, what's to say that they wouldn't be next? So they were hiding in fear, and when Mary comes, Peter and John get up, and they start running. Now, I was thinking about their run while I was preparing for this message, and it came to my mind that there are different types of running like, for some of you, um, like a, a Tim Peterson as an example, he just loves running. And, and he'll get up in the morning and he just wants to run, okay? And he'll put on his shoes and he'll put the earbuds in or someone like that will. And this, this running experience is a joy-filled thing where you're, you're kind of getting fresh air and you're just, it's so wonderful. Remember I said, some people like to do this, not, not me, but some people in the morning like to do that. And it's, running can be a good thing. But there's other types of running, isn't there? I remember when I was a paper boy, um, as a, as a kid, I, had, I ran a few times because dogs were chasing me. <laughs> Different. Or imagine you're at Valley Fair and there's big crowds and you're there with your family and you're in the midst of a big crowd and you look around and you notice that one of your kids aren't with you. Young kids. And as you look around, you can't see him or her. And what do you do? Do you stand there? Not me. You run. Do you wait to put on your sneakers and your earbuds? No. You run, not confidently, not joyfully. You run in a panic. You've got questions. You've got concerns. Where is my son? Where is my daughter? And it's, it's not a fun thing, that type of running. Which of the two did Peter and John have that morning? We'd like to think it was the first. Mary comes back, tells them Jesus is gone, and they're like, awesome. They put on their sneakers and put their earbuds in and the confident run to the tomb knowing just all that had happened. But if you were to think that a way the Bible records it, you'd be wrong. Their run was more like the Valley Fair run. They had lots of concerns, maybe like you. Lots of questions, maybe like you. Lots of worries, maybe like you. I can imagine Peter running and thinking about all the things that had happened in the last few days, about how he had left his fisherman's job in Galilee to follow Jesus, and now he's dead. Now what? About how the last time Peter possibly saw Jesus face-to-face -face was Jesus giving him a look probably of disappointment, or I told you, after he had denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus had said he would. And as they're running to the tomb, there are more questions than answers, and there is more concern than there is hope. 
But you wouldn't know anything about that, right? Some of you aren't sure about Easter. I understand. It's a miracle. You've never seen someone self-resurrect himself before. I haven't either. Others of you maybe don't have as many doubts or concerns about whether it happened, but you still have doubts. And if you, if you don't admit that you have doubts of faith, then you're not being honest. Because none of us have the perfect faith. Even those who have strong faith, still at times, because, and when events happen, have questions. And so sometimes it feels like in our life we're running, but it's not the confident jog. It's the panicked, looking for my kids, filled with stress type of sprint. Sometimes. Peter and John get to the tomb. Oh, I think there's a, is there a fill-in? Yeah. Our lives can be filled with questions and doubts. It's true. You know it. I experience it. Next verse. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Peter, who was behind him, arrived, and Peter went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth, that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. So they get there, it's just as Mary had said, and then John records this kind of odd detail that the, the linen was folded. Why, why would John record that? Because John wants you to realize this wasn't any normal empty tomb. See, there's been, there were rumors going around after... Um, the resurrection and the time that John wrote this, that Jesus didn't really rise, that, that someone had stolen his body. John was there, and he wrote what he saw, and what he saw was linens there, and one of them folded. Now, what this tells you is that the body was not stolen. Here's why. I don't mean to get too gross on Easter, but you know Jesus died through crucifixion. You know that he had a bloodied back. I mean, his whole body would have been filled with blood. And you know that when that body was wrapped, the blood would have still been, you know, not dried. And two days later, it would have been dried. And if you were a thief going to steal the body, what would you not do? <laughs> Take the cloth off, right? And then the other thing for John is that and one of the cloths was folded. You know what that's like um, and what John is wanting to picture? It's like someone breaks into your house, steals all your stuff, but before they leave, they clean the bathroom for you. <laughs> a thief wouldn't take a body and then, oh, I'm going to fold the head cover. And John is giving us details to, to encourage and strengthen us 2,000 years later of what exactly happened on that day. Verse 8. Finally, the other disciple, John, who reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, it makes it sound like at that moment, John, for him, everything just clicked. But it's not true. His belief is, was that beginning of starting to get it. And we know that because of the other gospel accounts tells us that they still were confused. Again, why do you think that is? Probably because they had seen Jesus die and they'd never seen someone self-resurrect themselves. Verse 9, they, they still didn't understand from Scripture 
that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Sometimes people think that Easter and the account is, sounds mythical, sounds fairy tale-ish. But I, I tell you, it's not how John wrote it. You see, if, if I'm writing a fairy tale, a made-up story about Jesus to save face because I decided to follow him, you know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't make myself look bad. What I would do is make me look good, and John didn't do that. If I were John and I were making it up, it wouldn't be this. Oh, I still didn't get it. It would be something like uh, Mary came back to the room and everyone else didn't believe, but I did. And in fact, on that first Easter morning, I, I got you know, Stafford and Danny and the gang together, and the band went out to the tomb. And on sunrise, we, that morning, we celebrated the first sunrise Easter service as we're waiting. And as the sun comes up over the horizon, we're all counting down 10, 9, 8. And then the tomb broke open, and they start playing, Jesus Christ is risen today. Alleluia. And we're all there welcoming Jesus, who's risen from the dead. But that's not what they did. Because John's point wasn't to make up a story, but it was to write what actually happened. The challenging but real details of, what did we say, an event that happened 2,000 years ago, and John was a witness. And in fact, he didn't, and the disciples didn't even quite totally understand until that evening. Look in John chapter uh, 20 later. It wasn't until the evening of the first day of the week, that Sunday, Easter Sunday, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, and Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, we, we watched this in the video earlier, he showed them his hands inside, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And do you know what happened from this point? You can read about it in the book in the Bible called Acts. From this point forward, these men were changed. Not because of a philosophy about God, not because of a 10-step program, how to get right with God, but because of an event that they saw and that had happened. In fact, in the book of Acts, whenever they were called on the carpet to give a sort of synopsis of what they believed. They didn't talk about parables. They didn't talk about miracles on the Sea of Galilee. They always came back to Easter and to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which is the central wrestle-it-to-the-ground type of teaching that we all need to wrestle with and which many of us, if not most of us, believe through the eyes of faith. See, here, here's what I, I know about you. I know that you've spent time thinking about what happens after this life. I know that you've spent moments thinking about your relationship with God and sin and guilt. And the reason I know that is because I've done it and we all do. 
We have hope. Here's something else I know. I know there's a couple different types of hope. There's hope in something that could happen. And there's, some, there's hope in something that will happen because something else has happened. Take a, a couple. They want to go to the Caribbean. It could happen. But they have no money. And they have no babysitter. And they have no time off of work. It could happen. <laughs> could. Probably won't. But... Take that same couple, and let's say someone decides to pay for a ticket. Someone uh, decides to find an extra week of work off. Someone decides to find a babysitter. And, and now, because all of this has been done, their hope is not something that could happen, but something that will happen because some other things has, have happened. You see the difference? Our hope today is not the first one. It's the second one. Our hope is something that will happen when we die. Because something has happened on this day that we call Easter. And from this point forward in our journeys of life until that day that the Lord calls us from this life, the Bible pictures it as kind of a, a race. A run. You know how we can run? We don't need to, to run like parents looking for their kids at Valley Fair, filled with doubts and filled with stress and worry. Oh, there'll still be those moments. But because of Easter, we can run confidently. Put on your sneakers. Put the earbuds in. Listen to your favorite music or maybe a good sermon from Bethlehem, all right? Whatever. And run. Not like Peter and John on that morning. But in that confidence and joy of knowing what will happen because something had happened. Let's pray.